Isaiah chapter 24, verse 4, or verse 5, rather. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and a few men left. The earth is defiled. Everywhere you look, there is sin, and there is corruption. There is evidences of the fall. We have a prayer list because of the curse that has come upon this earth and upon humanity. Death entered because of sin. The consequences of sin are felt by one another. Everywhere you look, you see the transgression of the law. The people of this earth break the ordinance. The covenant was broken, and the curse of sin has devoured the earth. Sin and the curse has wrought destruction. And so we live in a post-Genesis 3 world. We live in a fallen, sin-cursed world because the covenant was broken. Last week, I gave an overview of the doctrines of grace, and we saw how the five points sort of became formulated um, in, in whenever they were defending against the Arminians, the, the, the T of the total depravity was sort of in the middle. But we're going to start with uh, total depravity in our study of the doctrines of grace. And I think it's helpful that before we dig into what the total depravity is, as we, before we define that, I think we should get a firm grasp on why it is. So before we look at what it is, I think we should see why it is. that, And that's what we want to do tonight, Lord willing, is, is explain how it is that we got here, how it is that we got to the point that Depravity is total in humanity. Why is it that men are, are depraved? Why is it that we are sinners? And so tonight's message, we're going to look at this covenant that Isaiah is talking about. Um, this covenant uh, goes by many names. Uh, John Gill said that uh, many people in his time called it a covenant of friendship, a, a covenant of of love. Uh, it's known today mostly as the covenant of works. But what we're going to look at is what happened there in the Garden of Eden. What happened in the Garden of Eden that brought about all the sin and all the curse and all the problems that there is in the world and why that is significant for us. It's very important that we hold to the literal interpretation of the book of Genesis because therein contains the, the framework, I guess you could say, of, of our redemption. If Genesis is a myth, if Adam is a myth and wasn't a real man, then we don't have any hope, really, because um, of what this, this covenant means, what 
Genesis 1, 2, and 3 mean to us? Well, first of all, as we dig into this and think about this a little bit tonight, what is a covenant? What is a covenant? Well, it's just an agreement. If, if that's the only um, answer you can come up with, just an agreement, then that would, be, that would be a good answer. There's different kinds of covenants, of course. Marriage is a covenant. Whenever you swear to, to love and honor and, and so forth, uh, that, that is a covenant. That you make a covenant, um, man makes a covenant to the woman, the woman makes a covenant to the man before God. Uh, it, it's an agreement that they will love till death do they part. And, and there's a promise with that, and there's blessings with that, and there's consequences if the covenant is broken. So marriage isn't a covenant, it's agreement. There's different kinds of these um, agreements. And John Brown of Haddington said, um, to render men more happy and their obedience more cheerful, God hath all along exercised his providence toward them in the form of covenant. The Hebrew word for covenant denotes an established, in general, an, an agreement. And so in Jeremiah 33, 25, it says God made a covenant with day and night. Now, day and night didn't have to agree back with God. So where a marriage covenant, it's between two people. I was watching the show, uh, a news story last night um, about this polygamous sect out west. And I can't, I think the, the man had 62 wives, I think. He was, uh, he was uh, 80 some years old when he married his 60th wife. And she was a teenage girl. And um, that was a covenant between one person because he just said, I'm going to marry your daughter. And he just took her. Uh, she didn't want to. She didn't want to marry him, but he was the prophet. He was the man in charge, so he just took her. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know that 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 wasn't a, a true marriage, obviously. But but God's covenant here is where He declares He's going to do something, and then it's His agreement that there'll be day and night. So that that's what that's going on. Uh, what what that means there. Um. A covenant in general is an agreement that has different parties, has a condition, has a promise and a penalty if any of the parties break it. And so it's not necessary in God's covenant for him to, to wait on our response or to decline or accept the covenant. God as our creator can tell us what to do and then tell us what will happen if we uh, refuse to do it? And if you think about it, why would Adam have refused the covenant anyway that God uh, put before him? An all-wise, an all-good, an all-loving, merciful God presented before his creature a, a, an agreement that was beneficial for him and for his happiness and his joy. Adam would not have uh, Adam would not have um, refused that covenant, and he he would have wholeheartedly desired for that to be the case. So in the Garden of Eden, God made a covenant with Adam, and we're going to be looking there 
in just a second. Um, so if you want to turn back to the book of Genesis. God made a covenant with Adam. And what God did in the garden meets all the requirements of a covenant. There was a promise, there was a penalty, there was a condition. And um, the penalty for disobeying, breaking it, promise of reward for keeping it. And so what we find here in the book of Genesis was, was a covenant. First of all, it sounds weird for uh, to say a covenant of works, uh, to talk about a covenant of works, but I believe the Bible bears this out. Um, it wouldn't be right to say it was grace because Adam, when the covenant was made, had not sinned. God did not need to come to Adam in mercy because he was, everything was good. He didn't have to come and pity Adam because everything was right. He had made Adam and, and everything was good. God saw that everything was good. And so he, he made Adam, made Eve a helpmate for him, and, and all things were good. So it, it wouldn't be to say that God came to Adam in his need and, and gave him what he could not provide. Um, even though the God was good and merciful in this, um, and, and so what God is actually telling Adam is, here's what I'm going to give you, and here's what I want you to do. If you do what I say, then you're going to get these blessings. If you don't do what I say, then you're going to get the curse. Now that is a, that is a covenant. It meets all the conditions. I think it's important to, to put this in the proper perspective because I think many people misunderstand the doctrine of total depravity because they misunderstand what happened here in the garden. And then they take what happened in the garden and try to stretch it all the way to today and apply that to our life. So God says, Adam, if you do this, I will bless you. And if you don't do this, you're cursed. And I think people get in their minds that uh, even as Christians, they say, well, if I do this, God will bless me. And if I don't do that, uh, God will curse me. That, that's the prosperity gospel. That if you do all the right things, then God will give you your heart's desire, give you everything that you want, everything that you desire. You'll be, you'll be rich and you'll be happy. You'll be blessed. One of the most um, prominent uh, word faith guys in the country um, I saw was, was talking about how if you sow your seed, your faith seed, of, of your financial seed to the ministry, God will heal you and God will bless you. And there he was with glasses on telling the people this, and his wife is dying of cancer. But he's, he's fleecing these people out of all their money and saying, follow my example. Well, he couldn't heal himself because he's wearing glasses and he couldn't heal his wife because she's dying. That, 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 but, the, but the misunderstanding of this, thinking that, that if you, that, that this covenant stretches to us and that somehow we can get the blessings if we only do what God says, that God will reward us in that regard. <clears throat> and so that produces a legal spirit. 
that we look at God not as a loving father, Christians that is, we don't look at God as a loving father, but we look at him as, as a, like Eve looked at God. That Eve looked at God and just saw uh, she had a legal spirit. That the only way that she's going to get blessed was through law. And the only, and then she ended up hating the law. So she started out with a legal spirit and ended up an antinomian. Because she hated the law. She hated what God had said. But this covenant of works, you know, we think of that and we, we think, well, that wouldn't be good. But, but if we think about what God really did here, it was a blessing. It was a covenant in which Adam was in a position to keep the law. That one law. And, and if he, he would be rewarded if he did and then punished if he didn't. So this covenant was a divine, um, a divine command. It comes from God to Adam. So it wasn't an agreement between two equal parties. But God said, this is the way that it is. And this is what I'm going to do. Um, if you keep it, this is what I'm going to do if you don't keep it. Right, that's the first part of this covenant. The second part of it is that Adam was a representative. And I'm going to flesh all this out here in a little bit. I just want to give the overarching ideas of it. Adam was a, a representative. He was the federal head of his descendants. That, that means that Adam was going to represent everybody that came after him. Adam goes as, as a representative to, to be, to, to do this for us. So God is not going to set up this covenant perpetually forever with every new person that's born upon the earth. Now, the Pelagians, that's an ancient heresy, Pelagius believed that, believed that every person was born innocent. So whenever somebody holds a little newborn baby and says, oh, how precious, how sweet, how innocent. Well, technically, that's an ancient heresy <laughs> because they're not innocent, as, as the scriptures say. Now, they are sweet and they are adorable and, and, and so forth. But, but we're speaking theologically uh, it is an ancient heresy called Pelagianism that, that says that we are born innocent. Now, Adam was born innocent. And Adam was born innocent, and he was our representative. And we're going to live or die with Adam. God created Adam sinless. He was the image-bearing son of God. And so God gave him a conditional covenant. It was a do this and live covenant, just like Leviticus 18.5. Galatians 3.12 says, And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. So God told Adam, here's the law, do this and live. But Adam received all the benefits of God's love and goodness and was given a command that was only for his good. But God also said, here's a, here's a tree. If you eat of the fruit of this tree, you're going to die. Death would enter the world. If you eat of this tree, you're going to fall short of the glory of God. You won't receive the glory of God. You will fall short of receiving all that, 
that God promises. You will fall short of eternal life. You will fall short as your representative. If you eat this tree, you will fall short of the glory of God. But if you keep it, then you will receive life. And all your descendants will receive life. You will have access to the tree of life. Eventually, Adam would have gained access to the tree of life and been able to to eat of the tree. Well, that's the overarching theme of the covenant. Let's look at it in particular. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. So there's the image-bearing son that, that God has created. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. Okay. So when we think of the garden, sometimes, I don't want to say sometimes, don't do like Eve does and think that one thing they're not allowed to do. Think of it this way. There was one thing they were now allowed to do and they could do everything else that they wanted to in the whole world. Because God had written the law on their hearts. Adam didn't have the desire to do anything wrong. And so Adam's will was shaped in a way which he would only wanted to do those things uh, which were right because he only had that one law saying not to do this one thing. And so it says in verse 28, God blessed them. God was a loving father to his creation. He loved his creation. He looked and saw and everything was good and he blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth and subdue it. What I want you to do, Adam, is I want you to be blessed. I want you to be happy. And I want you to go and have a big family. And I want you to go and to, to have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And I want you to go out in this big, wide world, and it's yours. Subdue it. Go and, and build houses and build gardens and... and, and Take the land and cultivate it and and build it up. It belongs to you. This whole planet, it belongs to you to do with um, what you will for my glory. But, But go and have dominion over it. All the creatures, the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, everything belongs to you. Verse 29, And I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. All the animals, all the fish, all the fowl, they belong to you. Every, every tree, eat and enjoy. Every herb, eat and enjoy. It belongs to you. So here God said, here's an entire earth full of good things to eat. 
and you're blessed and and go out and 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 have all these blessings that I've given you. All right, let's look in chapter two and verse number seven. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of, every, out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for fruit. The tree of life in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So in this beautiful earth that God had created, God made a beautiful garden. And in this beautiful garden, he planted every tree that was good to eat. So, you know, there, you know, we can go to the grocery store and buy a pineapple because they, they grow them somewhere else and ship them here, but um, you know, that had been a thing unheard of um, before, the, before shipping and so forth, right? The, the, there's a lot of people for thousands of years that never tasted a pineapple. And, you know, different trees grow in different parts of the earth, but... But they were all the good things were right there in the garden. Everything that Adam could have wanted. There was nothing that was out of Adam's reach. God gave him all of it. He said, here it is. It's all for you to enjoy. Can I eat of this tree? Yes. Can I eat of this tree? Yes. Can I eat of that tree? Yes. All the trees God gave him, he blessed him. God made Adam in his own image. He was more a moral creature with a living soul. So Adam was capable of knowing God. He was capable of fellowshipping with God. He was capable of learning more of God and, and worshiping God and delighting in God and having joy in God. Not like the animal kingdom, not like the not like uh, apes and, and monkeys and so forth, but, but he was a living soul who knew God and God walked with Adam in the cool of the day and, and spoke with him and fellowshiped with him. And, and so God made him an image bearer. He blessed him. And so Adam was capable of delighting in God and delighting in God's world and delighting in God's goodness and all the things that God gave him. So everything in the whole wide world was Adam's. And with his mind and his body and his heart, he can enjoy the entire earth. He could grow to love God more and more and grow to trust God more and more day by day. In verse 15, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Now that's a positive command. God said, The Lord commanded that you may eat freely. Whatever you want, as much as you want, whenever you want, eat freely. God blessed him. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou shalt eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You can have every tree, but Adam, don't eat this one. These trees over here are for your good. They're for you. You can enjoy them, but Adam, don't eat this one. You need to trust me. You need to believe me. 
You need to hear my word, believe what I say, and obey me. So God created Adam with that law written on his heart. It would not have entered into his mind to to rob or to to steal or anything such as that, to kill, but but only to do what is good. This is why the covenant of works isn't what we might think of it, if we say that term, because Adam was to live his life doing what he wanted to do in a world without sin. Adam, God blessed him and put him in the earth to be able to do whatever he wanted. And that was part of the command. Do what what you want. But there was that one negative command, don't eat of that one fruit. Just that one. That one particular one. If you do it, you'll die. So in this covenant, God provided Adam the means by which he could learn of God and, and trust in God and obey God. But we know what happens. <clears throat> the serpent comes and first deceives Eve, but Adam ate the fruit. And the Lord cursed the serpent, multiplied the sorrow of the woman of conception and bringing forth children. Her desire to be to her husband, he'll rule over her. Chapter 3 and verse 17, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. The worms and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. Adam ate the fruit. His eyes were opened. He was ashamed. He hid from God. He made fig leaves to cover his shame. His eyes were opened. He knew good and evil. He experienced evil. And now he has fallen. Now his eyes had been opened to sin. He was a sinner. And because he was the federal head, as one theologian wrote, as because he was the federal head, he puts us all under condemnation. The fall placed Adam and all of his posterity under condemnation. And this covenant was conditional and provided no way to remove the offense in case of disobedience. God didn't tell Adam, this is plan B, or if you mess this up the first time, This is what we're going to do so you can try it again. No, in the day that he ate, he died. And because he was our representative, we all died with him. Adam is our federal head. Let's look in Romans chapter 5 where it proves this truth. That what Adam was doing in the garden has impact for you and I tonight. Because Adam was our representative. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, 
So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. One man was placed in the garden. One man sinned. Death entered this world, and then death passed upon all men. He was our representative. He was, he was, I believe this was that covenant that was spoken of in Isaiah 24 that cursed the earth. Because, because when Adam failed, we all failed with him. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. And so Adam died, Cain died, Abel died, Seth died, Noah died, Abraham died, Isaac died, Jacob died. Why? Not because they all ate of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because death had passed upon all men. Because Adam brought the condemnation upon all men. Yes, indeed, they had sinned themselves. But they, were, they came into this world sinners because of what Adam has done as our representative. There's a universal curse on all humanity. And now it is impossible for us to fulfill that covenant. It is impossible for anyone to go back and say, well, I'm gonna un- I want to undo what Adam did. Why is that? Because Adam's guiltiness has passed upon you. See, that's what the Pelagians want to believe. And I think Arminians are semi-Pelagians where, where they think that it's possible. There's just a little sliver, a little hope that somehow, in some way, man can do something to earn eternal life, or to do something to gain God's favor. You say, well, maybe not just like Adam, but a little something like it. No, it's impossible, because Adam failed. He was our representative, and we are under Adam, and if he failed, that means everybody that comes after him has failed. So there's not a little sliver of hope. There's not a little divine light of goodness. We're not born into this world innocent. We're born under Adam. He's he's failed. He he broke the covenant. And thus death and sin and the curse has come upon all of us. Adam sinned and passed on depravity. And we are born sinners. We receive from Adam a corrupt nature. We are born in spiritual death and we need Regeneration. What did Jesus say? You must be born again. Not you must be reformed again, but you must be born again. Because there's nothing to reform in us. There's nothing that we could change. There's nothing to start with. We must be born again. The problem is that that we, we do inherit, so to speak, our our depravity, but I'm not a sinner just because my dad was a sinner. I'm a sinner at root because Adam sinned. Because death passed upon all men because of Adam. 
by one man centered in, in into the world. By one man's offense, death reigned by one. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, it said in Romans 5.19. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Since he was our representative, we are sinners in Adam. Now, yes, my parents were sinners. And I'm in a long line of sinful people. But I am born a sinner because my representative sinned. And I am guilty in Adam. Guilt isn't mediated through the generations. But it is imputed to us by Adam. Adam's sin is upon us. I am guilty because Adam sinned. And I, I am guilty because I am born in Adam. For if through the offense of one man, many be dead. It didn't say through the depravity. It didn't say through what my parents did or what my parents gave me. But it was through the offense of one man. Now, Adam's children were sinners, just like he was. And then um, Cain's children were sinners, just like Cain was. And all the way down the line. Two sinners get married, they have a baby, they have a sinful little baby. But the Bible tells us here in chapter 5 that, that it was the sin of Adam that makes us guilty in Adam. Right? So the, there is a solidarity between us and Adam. There is a, 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 a union with Adam. Adam sinned, and I am guilty in Adam because he was my representative. So a holy God doesn't punish if there's no guilt and there's no debt. Well, the debt that we have comes from the fault that leads, um, comes from the fault, and that leads to the penalty. We are depraved because of the sin. Adam was our federal head. He was our representative. And the promise was given there that he could have had life, potentially eaten of the tree of life. Because back in Genesis, hold your place there in Romans because we're going to come back to that. But in Genesis 3, 22, it says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. And so he drove out the man and placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So the Lord said, well, now Adam is a sinner. And we must drive him forth out of this garden because otherwise he'll eat of that tree of life and live forever. That's the, that was the penalty. He, that, that also shows us what the promise was. Because if Adam had not sinned, he could have remained in the garden and he could have ate that tree of life. So that, that's the promise of the, the covenant there. If Adam, I don't know how long Adam uh, had to live without eating that 
that tree. The Bible doesn't say, and I don't guess it really matters, but at some point, he would have been able to eat of that tree of life. He would have succeeded. And if he would have succeeded, he would have succeeded for everybody. He was your representative. So if Adam would have succeeded, then he would have succeeded for his children and their children, for everybody. But God was merciful in kicking them out because he refrained from them eternal life in their, in their wickedness. But really, Adam's state was not the best state. Now, some people hear this and they say, well, that's not fair. I would like to have my own shot of that. Or some people hear that and like it. And they think that, well, I want to go back to that point. But here's why this is so important. One reason why. Adam was sinless, but was in a state where he could have sinned. He could have fallen. And this is why uh, the the semi-Pelagian view and maybe the Arminian view isn't very good because if you can earn your salvation, that means you can also lose it. So if you're in Adam's position, Adam was in a sinless state where he could have lost it. That's what happens if you believe that God can forgive you of your sins, but then you have to hang on to it. You're just like Adam in the garden. You might be without sin, but there's always danger. There's always the serpent. There's always temptation. If you don't obey perfectly, you'll lose it. You say, well, that's not fair, though. That's not fair that Adam was my representative. Well, if Adam would have succeeded, would you have said the same thing? If you would have got the blessings of Eden because Adam succeeded, you wouldn't have argued about that. But think all the advantages Adam had. Adam was born an adult. Full-grown man. Didn't have to go through childhood. Didn't have to be raised by sinners. My parents weren't saved till. I was a little bit older, so I remember a little bit of time before um, the Lord saved my parents and and so forth. And you know that gets he can get uh, set off on the wrong track, right? And and so Adam didn't have that. Adam was a full grown man, made without sin, born without sin, or created without sin. He was born inclined to do the whole law, lived without a world full of sinful men. Lived without being instructed by other sinners. He lived in a perfect garden. He had a perfect wife. He lived in a uh, perfect atmosphere. Without the corruption of sin on his mind and his body and his heart. Adam was smarter than we were. He was wiser. He was better fit, better suited. He was the perfect man put in the perfect world, in the perfect situation to succeed. Adam had everything going for him. Adam was better than us in every conceivable way. He was better to, to do the job. And so, if you could have just picked somebody from the Old Testament, if you could have picked anybody to be your representative, Adam would be the man to pick. And in that situation, because no one would have been better. All right, so, well, think about it this way. Let's say somebody came in here and said, I'm going to give every 
person in this church building $100 million on the one condition that, on the fir- that you have to pick one person to be your representative. One person and one person only. And if that one person goes out and kills a turkey the first week of turkey season, uh, then everybody in this church building gets a million, $100 million. Now, I wonder if I did a poll how many people would choose the same person here to, to be our representative to, uh, to go out and uh, kill a turkey so we'd all get it. All right. Who Would there be anybody that would object for RB to go out and, and hunt for us? Well, you wouldn't want me to do it, right? You, you, wouldn't want, you wouldn't want the person who had the best shot at doing it. Well, Adam was, had the best shot. He was created for that purpose. And there is zero chance that any of us would have done better in the garden than what Adam did, and Adam failed. So that is, that's the why of total depravity. Because our representative failed, and thus we're all guilty because of him. But I don't want to leave with bad news, and we just have a couple minutes left, so I want to tell you why this is important. Because God in his grace chose to save sinners. So now we have this world set up of sinners falling in that first Adam, broken the covenant of works. Adam failed. Everybody on the earth now is a sinner. But God, in his grace and his mercy, chose to save sinful men. But we're all guilty in Adam. Well, God sent another Adam, a second Adam, to come into this world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so back in Romans 5.17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men to justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might reign grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So, the same thing applies for the second Adam. The second Adam enters not into the Garden of Eden, but he enters the, the Son of God. Enters into a sinful world. Adam was, was, did battle with Satan and lost. Jesus was in the wilderness and and the devil fled from him. Jesus lived a perfect life. We all know that Jesus died for our sins, but do you know why he lived for you? He lived a perfect life and did all that Adam could not do. Adam had the one law, don't eat of that fruit. Jesus lived a perfect life in fulfillment of all the Old Testament and all the Old Covenant. And as Jesus was our second Adam, he is our representative. And so by faith, we can get out from underneath Adam and get in union with Jesus. We can escape Adam's failure 
and cling to Jesus as our representative. And so we don't have to keep the old covenant of works because Jesus already did that for us. Just like if Adam would have succeeded, we would have all had life. Well, Jesus did succeed and we have life in him. Jesus lived for us. He died for our sins. He represented us in his life and he imputed his righteousness on our account. So when Adam sinned, his sin was imputed to us. But when Jesus lived in his righteousness, his righteousness is imputed to us and he lived for us. So we don't have to keep the law to be saved because Jesus did it for us. Jesus died for our sins and he lives for us in his righteousness. We in Christ will have everlasting life. We in Christ have the benefits of his righteousness. In Christ, we will live in the new earth. In Christ, we will have access to the tree of life as described in the book of Revelation. Everything that Adam lost, Christ gained for us far beyond what Adam um, couldn't do. What Adam failed to do, Jesus Christ did. The second Adam lived for us, died for our sins, gave us life, gives us everlasting life. And what we do is we, we receive that by faith. We don't work for it. We don't earn it. We don't work to keep it. But by faith, we receive Christ or are united to Christ, have Christ as our representative, have Christ's righteousness accounted to us, have our sins forgiven. And because our representative lives at the right hand of the Father, we will live. And where he is, that's where we will be also. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Adam ate of that tree and fell short of God's glory. Christ as he said in the Gospel of John, was glorified, right? Adam sinned and fell short of the glory. Christ lived a perfect life, died for our sins, and was glorified. He glorified the Father. He himself was glorified. So in Christ, in Adam, we fall short. In ourselves, we fall short of the glory of God. But in Christ, we will be glorified. So, that's the why of total depravity. Our representative has failed. But in that, we have the hope that the second Adam succeeded. And by faith, we can have you know, that everlasting life that he, that he uh, wanted to save.